are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving week. Your Minnesota Timberwolves have fallen back to the 500 mark for the first time since opening night, following the frustrating loss to the shorthanded Phoenix Suns on Saturday night. Um, I guess it's also incredible that the Timberwolves have remained above 500 for the first month or so of the season. So I guess we have that to celebrate, although it's, uh, I guess it's a brand new season now, about 20% of the way through. Uh, today, we're going to quickly rehash what went wrong on Saturday, because there was a lot, as well as we'll look ahead to the rest of the week, whether or not we need to recalibrate our expectations for this Timberwolves team. Now that, as I already mentioned, we're knocking on the door of the 20 percent mark for games played this season and the Wolves have um, you know a few games upcoming this week that are certainly winnable although they're going to be on the road for a while uh, we're going to talk through studs and duds from the game against the Suns on Saturday afternoon as well as uh, the some of the G League players the two-way players and other guys who have been in the G League for much of the season how they played and, and which which ones of those guys may have a role on the team moving forward so Quickly, we're going to talk through Saturday night's debacle and what the biggest issues were. The Suns, of course, were missing starters Aaron Baines and Ricky Rubio, and those two guys outside of Devin Booker have been the best two players on the Suns this season so far. So certainly significant absences for Phoenix heading into the game, and and it seemed to be a game the Wolves should win rather easily. I believe they were favored by four and a half points going into the game at home against a shorthanded Phoenix team. Everybody knew the Wolves were going to be without Shabazz Napier and Jake Lehman due to their injuries. Napier has been out about three weeks now. Lehman would have been missing or did miss his second game with a what's reportedly a sprained big toe. But the Timberwolves were unexpectedly, at least to the fans, without Robert Covington due to personal reasons and Travion Graham with uh he was listed in the box scores at dnp cd but it was reported in the game notes or in the uh the recap following the game by the team that he had an arm contusion and was apparently available but the wolves did not use him and josh akogi missed his second out of the last four games with a sore knee he had missed the saturday home loss to houston and then played in both the games against the jazz during the week but missed the friday game or excuse me saturday against the suns um and the wolves have now lost both games when josh akogi doesn't play so that meant that the starting lineup was a little bit unique in the first game that, that Covington missed so far this season. So the Wolves decided to keep the bench rotation intact with the backup four, um, you know, kind of being pieced together with Gorgie Jang by putting Noah Vonley in the starting lineup. And Vonley ended up only playing eight minutes. He had kind of a rough start to the game. He missed a couple of three-pointers and had a couple of rebounds in eight minutes, but just kind of wasn't. He had two short stints near the beginning of the game and ended up playing the least minutes of any player on the Timberwolves. So the starting lineup was was what has become the usual starting lineup with, with Jarrett Culver in it um, for the most part. I guess Culver didn't start the second game against the Jazz, but he's started more often than he's not this year. Um, the Wolves started Teague and Culver in the backcourt with Wiggins and Towns um, alongside Vonley. And... Then the bench rotation, it ended up being the four wasn't actually all that much Gorgie Jang. Gorgie basically just played the backup minutes behind Towns. The four ended up being primarily Keita Bates-Diop. He played 37 minutes, which is the second most on the team in this one next to only Towns, and played well overall. We'll get more into him here in a little bit, but he ended up being um, essentially playing more than starters minutes in this one. Um, and then the rotation was was... Keelan Martin and Jalen Noel both played significant minutes as as uh, 
backups on the wing. And then Jordan Bell ended up playing 17 minutes off the bench as well. The Wolves went big in a couple different stretches, and, and Bell was a big part of the Wolves' second-half push that actually put them in the lead briefly um, and, uh, and and played very well in this one. So creative from Ryan Saunders, perhaps too creative. Granted, his hands are tied with the injuries, um, and, and both teams being shorthanded kind of... Uh, kind of mess things up for everybody. But um, the, the Wolves definitely relied on Keelan Martin, who had played really well against the Jazz last couple times out. And then Jalen Knoll and, and both guys struggled a little bit in this one. And that was that also contributed to the loss. Early in, in the game, the officiating was awful. There were three or four calls that um, that didn't go the Wolves way, or I guess calls that weren't made where the Timberwolves should have been at the free throw line. Andrew Wiggins was called for a couple of early touch fouls. Um, Jim Peterson on Fox Sports North, the Timberwolves color analyst, is not typically someone who complains about the officiating. He does it equal opportunity and will call out bad calls when he sees them on both ends of the floor and was was I'm going to say he was pretty close to apoplectic in this one because of some of the some of the calls that were being made and weren't being made. It, it was pretty brutal. And the free throw shooting disparity was huge early in the game, even down a little bit in the second half, but it still was shaky, um, the officiating overall. And that kind of put the Wolves behind the eight ball, but they didn't help themselves in their second straight game where they just simply couldn't hit the broad side of the barn on free throw attempts. They ended up only attempting 17 to the Suns 26. The Suns were 24 of 26 from the free throw line. That's 92%. The Wolves were 10 of 17. That's under 59% from the free throw line. And that's on the heels of the Wednesday loss to the Jazz when the Wolves were 11 of 21 from the free throw line, 52%. Um, The Timberwolves overall free throw ranking so far this season is just tanking from the past couple of games. I guess they haven't really attempted enough free throws to make it to make it a serious, uh, you know, plummet down the rankings. But overall for the season, they're 23rd now in free throw percentage. They're still seventh in free throw attempts average per game, which is shocking considering how few they've had the last couple times out, but they're 23rd in free throw shooting percentage as Towns has kind of course corrected and, and is pushing back up towards 80% and, and closer to where he's been for his career. The rest of the team just can't hit free throws. Um, it's been, it's been brutal. Um, the biggest culprits so far this season for the Wolves in terms of guys who get the attempts, who get to the free throw line and, and should be making more of them. Um, our Jarrett Culver is he's shooting two a game and he's shooting 34.5% from the free throw line, which is alarming to say the least granted two per game is not a ton, but I mean, that's a point per game. He's leaving on the floor essentially. Um, Andrew Wiggins is, is a hair below 70% still Josh Akogi's at 72% and then Towns is still at 76.9%, but that's been climbing pretty rapidly. He's been really good over the last few games. Um, so that continues to be a really big issue for this Timberwolves game getting to the free throw line of late and then also making their free throws generally, but, but especially of late. Um, and that kind of reared its ugly head in this one. The wolves were in the game throughout. The Suns didn't really ever have a, a big lead. It was a little bit of a seesaw battle. Um, the Suns really maintained their lead, but the wolves would, would push, get closer, tie the game, get, get within a possession before the Suns would, would pull ahead or pull further ahead. Um, late in the game, the wolves, kind of had had a late push had i think it was a 6-0 run or something like that that the wolves had a chance they got a rebound um and had, with about 14 seconds left we're pushing up the floor instead of the wolves had two timeouts if the wolves had one timeout i could see saunders not calling a timeout there because you figure you can get a decent shot in the open floor and then save your timeout if you need it um or if you, or if you miss and then you need to use a timeout but he didn't call a timeout Towns brought the ball up the court and attempted a shot really with like his heels on the on the midcourt logo and it was right on line just barely rimmed out 
and uh, that was basically it. The Suns, Devin Booker had a couple of free throws, and then the Wolves did call a timeout and did run a play for Towns um, after advancing the ball to midcourt, and Towns made a three, and that made the final margin two points. So maybe a little bit of a lesson to be learned there from Saunders and Towns on, on the quality of shot they got. Then again, it's even though it was a little deeper than you'd want it to be, it was a pretty open three-point attempt from one of the league's best three-point shooters. Um you know, I have a couple, Steph Curry's done that exact thing before. Um, and you know, it's, it's too hard. It's hard to get too upset about that, that attempt from towns. It just, when, when it doesn't go in, it's, it's easy to second guess it, but, um, all things considered, this is a really frustrating loss. They ended up only losing by two and, uh, despite missing four rotation players in this one and playing, um, you know, two G league guys and a two way guy and, and, um, you know, just kind of scuffling to stay in it. Um, we're going to dig a little bit more into the individual performances here, especially Carl Anthony Towns and Kata Bates Diop here in our uh, in our next segment. Despite the Wolves' shorthandedness in this one, Carl Anthony Towns was once again awesome. Um, tough, tough to really complain about much from his performance in this one. He had 31 points and 17 rebounds. I believe that's his season high in rebounds in a game. Um, I didn't look that up, but that seems right. He was 11 of 19 from the field, six of 12 from beyond the arc and a perfect three of three from the free throw line. He also had four assists, was a team high plus 11 and almost as importantly, only committed two personal fouls over the entire game, which is crazy for the guy who led the league in fouls per game last season, um, in league wide. Um, Towns should have probably touched the ball in the post more often as the Suns did not have Aaron Baines. They simply only had really one center in Frank Kaminsky, and he's not exactly the guy that you want guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the low post. The Suns mostly left him on an island when the Wolves did go in the post, so it was a mistake, I think, from the Timberwolves to not run even more post plays for Towns. Um, granted, when they did run, you know, we, this has been a common theme, when Towns is doubled in the post, and the Jazz tried doing this a little bit when they switched Gobert off of him, especially late in the game on Wednesday and would have run two smalls at towns instead of guarding him with just go bear. The jazz were able to recover quick enough to make the wolves three point attempts semi contested. And the wolves are a bad enough three point shooting team that it simply didn't work for the wolves offense. And that's what the sun's, Basically, I mean, they could have done that here. Um, and when when Towns did get post touches and when he did kick the ball out to the perimeter, the Wolves predictably struggled to shoot three pointers. Um, and, and at this point, it's just kind of kind of what's to be expected from the Wolves from beyond the arc. They were twelve of forty two, which is which is twenty eight point six percent. And Towns, of course, was six of twelve. So you take out that six of twelve, and the and the Wolves were six of thirty from beyond the arc from players not named Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Kade Bates up was three of 10. All three of his makes were from the corners. I can't remember if he missed a corner three, but he was over seven, obviously, on, on all those other attempts. Um, his three makes were from the corners. Wiggins was two of six. Culver was one of five. And then you had a few guys that were offers. Um, Keelan Martin and Jalen Noel were each over three. And uh, they were playing because of their three-point shooting ability. And we don't know how injured Travion Graham was. He allegedly was available, but it, you know he's been starting a lot so it's weird that he would play if he was if he was truly available or that he would not play um, but he also can't shoot the three ball he's shooting some crazy historically bad number from from three right now um, so one wonders if the Wolves figured hey we've got Noel and, and Martin on the roster both these guys are supposed to be three-point shooters let's give them some run in this game and see if see if they can knock them down and the answer was no they were 0 for 6 combined from the field 1 for 11 overall with Knowles only make being um an and one 
the old-fashioned way on the baseline. It was a nice play, but it was about his only nice play in this game, um, or really the only nice play from either one of those guys. Um, so all that to say, Towns was awesome in this one, and he didn't have a whole lot of help. And the Wolves do need to... I, I appreciate that he's shooting as many threes as he is, but I don't think the Wolves need to sacrifice that many post-touches for him shooting more threes. I think he can continue to shoot seven, eight, nine threes a game even, and get instead of three or four post touches a game, give him five or six post touches per game, especially in these matchups when he can dominate the opposing center um, easily. I mean, he, he had two or three buckets that were, it was basically like he was playing against a chair in the post um, because Frank Kaminsky just didn't, didn't provide any resistance. So a little frustrating. They didn't get him the ball more down low in this one. Um, Kate Bates, the would be the only other guy who really had what you would consider to be a, a, a plus game in this one. He played 37 minutes off the bench. He had a career high, 22 points was nine of 18 from the field, three of 10 from beyond the arc, which means he was six of eight from inside the arc. And he had a couple of nice drives where he beat his guy off the dribble and used his length to, to just really get an easy layup. He only had four rebounds in 37 minutes and was primarily playing the four. So that was the the one drawback on this game. Um, I think I only gave him a B on my player grades at DuncanWithWolves.com because he, he, he didn't rebound the ball. And uh, that, that's something that Covington's actually done a fairly good job of. Rebounding was one of the main concerns for this Wolves team heading into the season. And it continues to be an issue. Um, but... But Bates Diop, if he's going to be on the floor at his length and his size, he was a good enough rebounder at Ohio State in college that that everybody kind of expected that that's a skill that would translate to the NBA. Um, the Wolves are still only 20th in the league in defensive rebounding percentage, which is probably about as bad as they can afford to be if they want to make a playoff push and they continue to play a small ball lineup. But Bates Diop is a guy who... I mean, he's he's not your typical, the, the prototypical power forward, but he's big enough that he was expected. I mean, he's 6'8", but he's he's bigger, he's long, he's got a wingspan, he's a smart player. You would expect that he can grab more than four rebounds if he's playing 37 minutes. Um, so that, that was the one drawback to this game. But I don't want to take away from how solid he was when he was going downhill at the rim. He's not an ultra-athletic player, which is one of the reasons he fell to the second round in the draft last year um, in, in 2018. But he, again, used his length and and maybe an unexpectedly quick first step um, in a couple of different situations to get into the paint and score at the rim. Um, and if he can continue to shoot three-pointers from the corner, um, you know, at a, at a high clip, then, then you know, he can stay on the floor and be a rotation player, um, you know, when he's called up. He's... Uh, so far this season, according to, I'm sure that he's probably four or five, but according to basketball reference, he's shooting 80% from the corners on three-point attempts, but only 36% of his three-point attempts are coming from the corners. Um, so I would say until that flips, he should probably just, they will should just run a bunch of plays to get him to uh, to shoot the ball from the corners. He doesn't need to be shooting free threes from above the break. He wasn't a good three-point shooter last year as a rookie, and he hasn't really been at the G League level either. Um, so it, it's it would be would be hard pressed to, to think that he can be a, a solid three point shooter from above the break. Um, I, I would just concentrate on and keeping him in the corners, but at any rate, those are the only two players that really had plus games for the wolves. Um, I don't really want to call Andrew Wiggins performance a dud. He did have 21 points, but it took him 21 shots to get there. He was two of six from beyond the arc, four points and three assists. He did foul out. Um, a couple of those foul calls were, were pretty bogus early in the game. Um, 
he did have four turnovers when he was on the court too. So uh, he needs to he needs to go to the rim more often. Um, we said this in his first game back on Wednesday against Utah, but um, he, he should be shooting five or six threes a game, and that's fine. But some of those at the rim attempts were sacrificed for some some of those old old Andrew Wiggins mid range attempts in this one, um, and. Put simply, he he struggled at the rim when he got there. So um, I think this was more fluky than anything else. So it's hard to, to get too upset about the performance. We'll know more after after a couple more games to just kind of make sure that he can get back in the rhythm after missing three games um, last weekend. Um, but at any rate, not the best Andrew Wiggins game that we've seen, um, to be sure. The only other dud that I would really mention, and again, this is just kind of weird and that the Wolves were shorthanded, Towns was great, and everybody else was just kind of there. Um, Jeff Teague was fine in this one. He had seven points, six rebounds, eight assists, and on the other night, he was a plus three. That seems like a good line, um, but he just didn't really shoot the ball much, wasn't aggressive. He was two of five from the floor, turned on a couple of open three-point attempts. And in a game when the Wolves didn't have Robert Covington and they didn't have the energy and athleticism of Josh Kogi, there wasn't a backup point guard, no Shabazz Napier. Um, the Wolves needed Jeff Teague to be more aggressive and to try and score. He's shown this year that he can do that. And and this was a kind of a weird um, like shoulder shrug of a performance from Jeff Teague. I think I think we all expected more based on what we've seen so far this season from Teague. Um, so who knows how he'll get up for the uh, the game in Atlanta on Monday night against Trey Young. Obviously, Jeff Teague played six or seven seasons there in Atlanta. So um, perhaps he'll be a little bit extra motivated and, and remember that it is a contract year and we'll see a little bit more out of him. All right, before we talk about the next kind of a few days on the schedule, as well as what players might be able to stick in the rotation of the G League group that has been playing a lot more recently. Wanted to mention Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash NBA. And if you're listening on the go and can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Lockdown sponsors at LockdownPodcast.com slash offers. The Timberwolves lately have been playing a lot of these uh, G League and two-way players, um, mostly out of necessity, but but Saunders has also shown a, um, a desire to keep those guys involved, to keep them engaged, which is is. Surely a concerted effort from the top down, Gerson Rosas on on down to Saunders and his coaches. They want to build a culture. If you look at the teams that have have the most minutes given to G League players, the top two are Minnesota, followed by the Houston Rockets. Something the Rockets have done a great job of um, in past years, and obviously they they have taken they use the G League to their advantage better than almost anybody else with their the test tube type way that they've treated the Rio Grande Valley Vipers going back to the Robert Covington days when he played there eight or nine years ago, seven or eight years ago, maybe not even quite that long ago. Um, but at any rate, the Wolves are are really doing a great job of keeping the go- those guys integrated. It's also part of the reason why they've lost some of these games of late. Be- after being shorthanded, they, they should have beaten the Suns on Saturday, ended up losing by only two. Um, but they also gave a lot of minutes to these guys who aren't really ready to be in the NBA. Bates, yeah, played a good game. He is actually, he was a G League call-up because he was assigned there. He's not a two-way player. Um, and so there isn't a cap on how much he can play for the Wolves um, this season. Same with Jalen Noel. He is a rookie um, and was their second round pick but also was assigned to the G League and can be called up at any point. Same with Nas Reed, who was up for the game in Utah the other night. And uh, But but the, the two two-way guys, Jordan McLaughlin's already played in four games with the big club. And then um, 
Keelan Martin has now played in six. And those guys have struggled actually more than than the call-ups. Um, Katie Bates-Diep has played played very well. Um, Keelan Martin had two big games, I think both against the Jazz were his best games. But besides that, has been pretty brutal um, at the NBA level. So we're not really sure what to expect from him moving forward either. Um, at, at any rate, the Wolves are going to run out of out of days with some of their two-way guys if, if they strictly were playing Keelan Martin and, to a lesser extent, Jordan McLaughlin as he's basically just a third point guard and the Wolves have decided that Jarrett Culver can cover the backup spot as long as Teague's also healthy um, without uh, without having to call McLaughlin back up. But um, Jalen Noel, I think, could be a key player moving forward because there isn't a limit on how much he can be at be in the NBA, how many days he can be in the NBA. He's not a two-way player. He's probably the best. Him and Keelan Martin are the best shooters of the group, and Martin's going to have that limit. Um, so I think Noel could be somebody that we see a lot more of as we get deeper into the season, especially if this team falls out of playoff contention, being that he was a, a big-time scorer in college, was the Pac-12 player of the year, was an actual draft pick of this team. They clearly see something in him. They gave him the multi-year deal. Remember, he was the last rookie to sign a contract this summer. And they waited and gave him a multi-year deal, guaranteed money to him. Um, and so I think he could be a big part moving forward of this rotation. Um, so keep an eye on that for sure. I, I think Bates Diop, that's a more interesting one because he can play the three and the four. And he has a year of experience under his belt. He has length. He, in theory, should be a solid rebounder. Um, although he's really struggled, as we talked about earlier, um, on the glass so far this season. Uh, with the Timberwolves, um, he's played really well in the G League, and it's it's fair to have higher expectations for him. So we could see a lot more Bates up and Noel, even once some of these injuries go away for the Wolves. Um, but that it was also part of the reason they lost the game on Saturday was the inexperience and the lack of uh, of true prepared NBA talent um, that was on the court for the Wolves. All right, looking ahead to the rest of the week, the Wolves have the Atlanta Hawks this evening. Um, we didn't really spend much time previewing that game today, but I guess the main thing is the Hawks have Trey Young. And that's about the only thing you really need to know about them. They've actually lost six games in a row. Um, they had kind of a promising start to the season. They won their first two games. They beat the Spurs. They won at Denver, which was a shock, um, but they've lost six games in a row since then. And outside of Trey Young, there isn't much to write home about with this team. Um, so again, it's a game the Wolves should win. The Hawks have only won two home games all season, um, but it's unclear who the Wolves will and will not will or will not have in this one, as they've had kind of this revolving door of nagging injuries and and people gone for personal reasons and illnesses. It's been a really weird start to the season in that respect for the Wolves. So um, we'll keep an eye on on who's available tonight, and that'll have a you know tremendous bearing on how this one plays out. The Wolves then head to San Antonio on Wednesday to play the Spurs, who are struggling, and if it wasn't for the Knicks, would have probably lost. I mean, I guess they'd lost, what, six in a row before they beat the Knicks the other night. Um, then back home to play Memphis on Sunday after three consecutive off days. They'll be off for Thanksgiving, and then Friday and Saturday before playing Memphis on Sunday afternoon. And then they go back out on the road for four road games the following week. So a tough stretch ahead, six out of seven games on the road with the only home game coming um, a Sunday matinee against the Memphis Grizzlies in uh, in six days. We'll be back on Tuesday morning with a recap and uh, some thoughts following the Hawks game on Monday evening. We're hoping for a bounce back from the team and another strong game from Towns. And, and it should be a game that the Wolves are able to put away with relative ease. But we've said that before and, and been wrong before. That's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. 
Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.